With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to... Hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. As you listeners are hearing this show, super producer Daniel Westoff and I are likely going to be in the car on our way down to Stillwater, Oklahoma, as we get ready to kick off our coverage of this year's Division I Women's National Indoor Championships. Of course, we are so excited to see eight of the top teams in the country all in one location competing against one another for the right to be named the National Indoor Champion. And it should be a very fun event, certainly if the first few weeks of this college tennis season or any indication. Parody is going to be the name of the game. So many of these teams have so much talent on their rosters, maybe because of the fact that the NCAA extended a year of eligibility to all of the seniors, also because so many of these teams brought in incredible recruiting classes. So the level of play this weekend should be very, very high. And of course, we hope all of you listeners will join us for our coverage, which of course you can find the links to on the Oklahoma State Tennis website, also on We Are CollegeTennis.com, the ITA's website, and I'm sure we will be sharing the links on our Crack Racket social media uh, channels as well as on our website as well. But what would a national indoor event be without a national indoor preview podcast? And I could think of no better person to join me to preview this weekend's event than the greatest of all time, Colette Lewis, who joins me on the show to chat about all this weekend's quarterfinal matches to give our predictions for who we think are going to advance to the semifinals, finals, the players that we ultimately think could be named the most outstanding player, be the most influential player to the results we see unfold, and so much more, obviously. My fondness for Clut Lewis knows no end. She is the reason, very likely the reason, I should say, I'm doing what I'm doing today. So to get the chance to chat with her, uh, to get the chance to preview this weekend's action, I know this is a podcast all of you listeners will enjoy. So without further ado, let's get to my conversation previewing the Women's National Indoors event with the greatest of all time, Colette Lewis. Joining us on the podcast today to help us preview this weekend's action in Stillwater, you may know her as the inspiration, the legend. I know her as the greatest of all time, Colette Lewis. Welcome back to the show. It is always a pleasure to get the chance to speak with you. How are you holding up? I'm doing great. It's a, it's always a big boost when I when I hear your intro because <laughs> like, oh, that's very nice. I'm so happy. <laughs> well, it's the least I could do for you. And again, I'm trying to live up to our promise to bring you on this podcast at least once a month. And obviously, I, and I feel like you can sympathize, empathize. I always confuse the two. I think you'll feel a little bit of both uh, with the feeling right now for a lot of tennis fans. You've got the college national indoors. And of course, this year, we We've got the added bonus, all of the pro tennis going on in Australia as well. We're still trying to sort out whatever the junior tour is going to look like in 2021. It's a stressful time, I feel like, to be Colette Lewis, to try and figure out what you're going to put on the Zoo Tennis blog each and every day. It's true. And boy, this last week was crazy. So yeah, Um, and it'll be another crazy weekend coming up, I'm pretty sure. Oh no! I again. I'm. I'm just waiting to see who your aces of the month are this month. I feel like you might have 35. Like there, there, there are probably 35 events, right? So you could probably go around the block. And one of these days, you're just gonna throw my name in there just to make sure I'm still reading. And I am, just so you know. But the ace is one of my favorite articles, and of course, really enjoyed seeing your thoughts on January's action. And before we even get into the nitty gritty of what's going on in Stillwater, curious, and it can be both men's and women's reaction 
Titans these first three weeks of the college tennis season have seemed relatively calm from my end of views. I feel like, yes, we've seen players missing from the occasional lineup. Obviously, whatever's going on in Winston-Salem for the Wake Forest men, that's one of the stories of this college tennis season. But overall, cautiously optimistic uh, through the first few weeks. I'm wondering if you feel similarly. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I mean, that Michigan thing was obviously um, pretty weird, but um, and I, hopefully we don't have anything more like, you know, of that sort of thing where, you know, in mid tournament, but we are going to have cancellations for sure. And uh, just hope that, you know, it doesn't impact the the indoors and uh, most of the the conference season coming up. But but yeah, I've been very uh, just in what like last weekend, um, there weren't a lot of huge surprises, maybe a couple, but it was just everything. There was a lot of really close stuff. And I, I think that's good. Um, I think it adds a lot of interest and you know, we've still got a lot of matches to go to sort out who really are the favorites for the NCAAs. I think I spent 18 hours this past weekend virtually in Athens between the NC State-Georgia men's match, between the Georgia-UNC women's match, and they both, because there are only four indoor courts, I mean, you would have thought they were playing with ad scoring the way those matches went the distance. Yeah. It was a quality six-hour affair, and uh, yeah, it, it has felt like, you know, you see the occasional five twos. There have been some blown leads, like Annika Yarlagata for UNC comes to mind. She blew that 5-2 third set lead against Georgia, of course. Then she ends up winning 7-6 in the third, so I guess she didn't really blow the lead, but she did go down 6-5, and more than anything, God, did I miss the close line calls. It is so nice to have a little drama back in my <laughs> life just to see. I mean, you know it's coming too. And there is an example. I won't call out the player, but he knows who he is, who just, he makes this out call. And then it was on a match point. He was down and he made the out call. There was no belief in his call. Like he made the out call just to make the call. And he kind of looks at the chair umpire like, I know you're going to overrule me, but just do it. Put me out of my misery. And the chair umpire <laughs> just kind of gives him the flat line like, nope, it was in. And he just shakes. He's like, yeah, I know. I know. I know. And they shake hands. And remember, I was like, God, I missed that more than anything. But certainly, uh, I know I speak for all of us college tennis fans. Again, it's going to be so exciting to see the top eight teams. Uh, or eight of the top teams, I should say, in the country come together this weekend for the women's national indoors in Stillwater. You look at the field, we have UNC, OSU, Pepperdine, Georgia Tech, Texas Northwestern, UCLA, Oklahoma State. What we're going to do in today's podcast, talk a little bit about each of those dual matches, give some predictions at the end as well for how we think the action is going to unfold. But even before that, you look at the broader picture. I think we were, you know, the consensus coming into the season, UNC, UCLA, Texas, Pepperdine, that's a pretty clear cut top four. But then you look at the other four teams we have this weekend in Georgia Tech, Northwestern, Oklahoma State, and Ohio State. Are you surprised by the field, Colette? Which, I, by the way, I always feel weird calling you Colette. Like, I, I want to refer to you as the greatest of all time. Like, I just want to—I feel like calling you by your first name doesn't convey the amount of respect I feel for you. Um, and so, <laughs> nevertheless— no, fine. Yes, yeah, so— I guess, works. Yeah, okay, perfect. But you look at this field overall, the eight teams we have, feel right to you? It does feel—it feels like we have the right eight teams. Um, well, you know, Georgia should be in there. Stanford sure. should be in there. The, mm -hmm. the ones that, for whatever reason, didn't even play in the um, kickoff weekend, you know, for various reasons. I never quite heard what the Georgia, why neither Georgia team did. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I, you know, they're obviously, as you corrected yourself, they're not the top eight teams. And that's going to be unlikely anyway, because as we said, there's a lot of um, close matches and even top teams are going to lose some of those. So um, I think it's a good field. And I, I think, yeah, the top four, we, we kind of have an idea, but then, you know, Texas uh, went four, three um, mm -hmm. against Oklahoma um, this last weekend. So, uh, you know, it's, it's not as if <clears throat> obviously the Georgia UNC match. So it's, it's not as if, you know, somebody, one of those four teams can't knock off one of those um, top four seeds. I, I think they can. 
Mm -hmm. I completely agree with you. And Northwestern's the currently the lowest ranked team in the field. They're number 13 in the latest ITA rankings. That's pretty good considering there are only eight teams in this quarterfinal round. And you mentioned it, no Georgia, no Stanford. I appreciate you including those two teams as well because, yes, obviously they're both top eight teams that we expect to factor into everything uh, come May, particularly with the way this Georgia team looked against UNC last weekend. But, you know, sometimes... This is not meant to be disrespectful. You get the, we'll say, less than deserving on the merits host school where, you know, they they probably shouldn't be the 16th team. This year, that eighth team, that host school, is tied for 10th in Oklahoma State. And we haven't seen Oklahoma State compete this season for uh, COVID reasons. And we actually had the chance to talk with Chris Young, head coach for Oklahoma State, on one of our other podcasts. So shameless plug here, but be sure to go check that out if you want to hear more about the Cowgirls. But yes, I agree with you overall. No team feels like they're completely outmatched. Like, yes, Northwestern might lose a match 4-0, but it's not going to be 1-1 and 2-2 two and these blowout results like the, all of these teams are well equipped uh, I think to compete here this weekend and should lead to some really fun play and so with that in mind let's get into the action let's talk a little bit about these quarterfinals and let's start with our number one seed and defending national indoor championship winning team the University of North Carolina of course this Car- Carolina team brings back everyone they've got Graham they've got, got Davitella they've got McKenna Jones all of whom have been top five ITA-ranked players at multiple points throughout their college careers, of course. That doesn't even get into the depth of this Tar Heels roster, who have been playing without McKenna Jones at the number six, uh, five singles position to start the season, have played, you know, Annika Yarlagata, who's lined at seven this weekend, and Riley Tran, who's lined up at number eight for them this weekend. But, of course, you throw in Cam Mora, Elizabeth Scotty, Fiona Crowley. I mean, on paper... We talked about this a little bit the last time you were on the show, but I just their pathway to to four points, which is what college tennis is all about. You got to find four points in a dual match. You just look at that lineup on paper, Colette, and you're like, I don't know, how, I like, I don't know how any team gets four off them. It's true, but I I think they do have problems at, on the double at doubles, and mm-hmm. and at least they have so far, and and. They shouldn't, um, given everything, but they, they do have, you know, a couple of younger players um, that might just, and not a lot of match play, of course, so because the fall season was just so nothing and they, they couldn't really do anything. So so I think once they get the doubles straightened out and, um, yeah, but that they could beat Georgia without um, Scotty and Jones in the lineup. Um, that's a good sign for them for sure. And that's what we were talking about. You know, it's that depth when you, you can take your seven and eight player, you know, move them up. Um, you know, I'm sorry, but if you've got Fiona Crawley at number six, uh, you're going to win a whole lot of tennis matches. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, without question, look, in this first match, they take on an undefeated Ohio State team. And by the way, it's minimal matches. North Carolina 4-0 on the year, wins over UNCW, and then kickoff weekend wins over Notre Dame and Ole Miss before the 4-3 win at Georgia, which... Probably equally as impressive, maybe even more impressive than the Buckeyes' big win on kickoff weekend at home over a young but awfully talented Virginia team 4-2. Now, you start to look at the UTR for these two teams. And by the way, the Buckeyes did make the national indoors last year, had a really successful season going with Shiori Fukuda, Danielle Wolf at the top of their lineup. Of course, both of those players now gone for the Buckeyes, but they still have plenty of talent on the roster. And you look at the UTR comparisons, both of these teams over the 62-point threshold, which usually in women's college tennis means when you can field, you know, six uh, UTR players of 10.5-ish or more, that means you're doing something right. Uh, For this Ohio State team, their singles lineup is 62.42 by their power six. Now, UNC... They're in the elites of the elites, right? They're over that 65 mark. There are 65.95. Of course, that includes playing players that aren't by UTR as high as some of the players they have on their bench. So by every metric, 
you know, UNC a favorite entering this, and they're, of course, the defending champions at this event. I think the core of McKenna Jones, Alexa Graham, and Sarah Davitella have made a national indoor final in every season they've played for the Tar Heels, and, you know, this team... Uh, obviously the seniors they've got up and down the rosters, the depth they've got, they can play, you know, uh, Yarlagata and Tran at five and six and feel like they're not really missing a beat. I, I don't know. I, I feel like they entered this match pretty comfortable favorites over the Buckeyes. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I'm not that familiar with uh, most most of the um, Ohio State players, uh, especially lower in the lineup. Um, I did see Boulay, Isabel Boulay, um, did not play. And, uh, you know, if she should be able to come back and be at three or four or something like that, um, I think that would, um, would, you know, obviously help their chances. But, I, yeah, I don't really, I, I don't see them, uh, Ohio State, you know, really challenging um, UNC at this point. Yeah, I yeah. don't see an upset there. No, I I mean, you look at their team, uh, I think they've got one senior on the roster, Luna Dormant, who I don't think is scheduled to play everyone else, uh, oh, Mary Beth Hurley as well, but everyone else, uh, mostly underclassmen, I suppose, Isabel Boulay, also a junior, um, Coley Allen, I suppose, a junior as well, and look, this team... They had a really interesting national indoors last year. They lost, I believe, their first match to Georgia Tech 4-1, but that match a lot closer than the 4-1 score indicates. And then they played back-to-back 4-3 matches against Michigan and Texas, winning the first, losing the second. This team is really, you know, they're talented, but they are young. And there are a lot of new contributors who, you know, weren't playing during that Texas match last season. And so, you know, for them to get the win at home, uh, over a young Virginia team. That's really impressive, and it it was the way they did it as well for uh, them to get that 4-2 victory, and you look at the stats from that match for the Buckeyes. They were able to, uh, you know, in that one, win the doubles point with wins at 1-3 and three, and then get wins in the middle of their lineup at 3-4, and four, get the big three-set win at number 2. Their depth is good, and I think they're they very well. They probably should get at least one win here this weekend. They probably are favored going into their second match. But yeah, this UNC team is just it's special, right? And like you, you know, I, I we always play this game uh, with Chris and Matt. You look at the match calculus, which my two favorite terms in college tennis are match calculus and hidden dual match. Because why we're hiding dual matches, I don't get that. That doesn't, you know, <laughs> what are we doing here? Uh, you can show it, but uh, the match calculus for OSU, it's just like you're looking up and down the board and say, you say, okay, well, you know, in their last match, I guess uh, Cam Mora didn't get the winner. Alexa Graham lost to uh, Jokic. Do we have a player who can beat Alexa Graham? I don't know about that. Katarina Jokic was number one in the country for pretty much all of her sophomore season, and it's just like, can we take the doubles point from UNC? I don't know. They're really, really good top to bottom, and we probably have to get that to pull off the upset, but just... I don't think I don't know if they have the depth to match up with this UNC team who fields six players who, you know, play Russian roulette and put them anywhere in the lineup. Right. So I would say UNC 4-1 feel about right. Uh, I'm going to go for nothing. <laughs> I like it a little more ruthless than me. That's the inspiration there. Now I know. Again, I don't have to hold anything back. But okay, that's match number one. And again, this Buckeye team we expect uh, certainly probably enter as the favorites for this Big Ten season. Michigan Northwestern going to be right there with them. And we'll talk about Northwestern in a little bit. But let's flip gears now. Stay on the top half of uh, the bracket. And you talk about this Pepperdine team. It's actually a pretty good segue from Ohio State to Pepperdine because, of course, you look at this Pepperdine roster, and yes, they bring back Leahy. Yes, they bring back Faila at the top of their roster, but they also bring back Shiori Fukuda, who for the Buckeyes last season was, I think, a top 10 player in the country when the season ended. You look for Fukuda. Let me see what she was ranked at the National Indoors. She was number eight at the National Indoors uh, when she was playing number one singles for the Buckeyes. Now, she's a legitimate number three singles player. That's how good Pepperdine is at the top of their roster. Of course, you look by UTR for Pepperdine. Their highest UTR player is uh, Tasha, uh, I'm going to butcher this, Patch. 
Kaleva, Patch Kaleva, we're going to lock that in, uh, who's an 11.48 UTR, which is .03 above Faila. She is expected to play number five singles for Pepperdine this year. You look at this Waves roster, four of their six singles players over 11 UTRs. Their power six UTRs is 66.96. I believe that is the highest number in the country is this team quietly the national championship favorite? I know North Carolina is really, really good, but I hear it every day. The problem is I hear this every day from Chris Collette where he's just, I, Alex, you can love UNC. The amount of texts I got from him, oh, you said UNC was the best team of all time and they might lose to Georgia. <laughs> and I was like, well, they didn't lose, and that was, a, that was a relief to me. But, I mean, this Pepperdine team on paper, never known for their indoor prowess, but just so much talent top to bottom. Yes, they they are, and I frankly, I I was a little surprised that USC um, like battled them so so much in the final of that of the uh, kickoff weekend. It was four two, and it was close. So um, that that again is one of those things that that um, has me rethinking. Well, so and so is like going to sail into the you know final four in May, and um, I, I you know. There's a lot of good players out there, and uh, yeah, you have to win close matches for sure. I j- I just thought at home that Pepperdine would be able to to close out USC without nearly the struggle that it took. So, um, so yeah, I'm. You can tell Chris I'm kind of on on your side on that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's funny is I will tell him. Believe me. <laughs> um, but no, look for this Pepperdine team as you mentioned. Kickoff weekend four zero for four zero over Wisconsin four two over USC. The recipe for them in that match they dropped the doubles point, but then did get wins from number one singles. And by the way, last weekend it was Faila at one, Leahy at two, Fakuda at three, but that is not what they have lined up, or at least scheduled, I believe, lined up for this weekend. I believe they have Leahy uh, slated to go at the number one singles position. But look, that's the recipe for them in every match. If you drop doubles, expect to win the top three. It's very North Carolina menish in that, you know, in Leahy, Fakuda, and Faila, you have your Blumberg, your uh, Seguin, Rinky, Hijikata top three where you feel good going into each and every match, and then you're like, okay, we just have to find a fourth point. But it is worth noting, uh, this Pepperdine team, again, who would go indoors? It's illegal to have an indoor facility in Malibu. We all know that. And so, you know, this is not a team that plays indoors very frequently. And you look for them last season, maybe the most surprising result of that national indoors was the fact that in uh, their final match, Pepperdine got blanked by Princeton 4-0. And that Princeton team was really, really good. We had the chance to talk to Brianna Schwetz, who I think was, I don't remember if she ended up beating Leahy. I think she might have been up on her when the match finished. But uh, the point is, Pepperdine doesn't play indoors a lot. And that does matter because indoor tennis is a completely different ball game. And you look at here in their first match, they're going to play a Georgia Tech team that plays a lot of indoor tennis, a Georgia Tech team that, you know, obviously has one of the wins of the season as well with what they were able to do uh, in the national indoor kickoff weekend, uh, able to beat, you know, both South Carolina and Duke 4-3 at home. So this is an interesting match by UTR Pepperdine, a heavy favorite, but I watched this Georgia Tech team compete last year in person, and there seems to be something always about these Georgia Tech teams. They they just know how to win. Yeah, I I do agree that, that they look very strong this year. Um, and so, yeah, it just depends on how the top three are able to, you know, to come through. They're awfully, I mean... By my reckoning, they, they're going to have three freshmen in, in the lineup, which um, is going to be a little bit tough when you're up against the kind of experience that Pepperdine has, um, you know, at the top. So I, I do think, um, you know, that that Tech is, is facing an uphill battle. But, um, you know, they've got um, Ava Rastar, who's um, – you know, a freshman who's playing number three for them. So she's obviously really, you know, upgraded. And um, Jane, who's, who is, you know, going to play five or six. So I, I do think um, they, they have some chances um, in some of those matches. I just don't know that they have the experience. 
Yeah, and here's, you know, for them, they do have in uh, Victoria Flores, their number three singles position, she's a senior. Kenya Jones, their number one singles position, she's a senior. And by the way, Kenya Jones may be somehow the most underrated player in all of college tennis. I got the chance to watch her at the National Indoors last year. And I mean, she's number 13 in the country, so underrated, grain of salt. But she belongs in the conversation with the Grams, with the Leahys, because, I mean, simply put, she just... I mean, her ability to produce winners uh, just from ridiculous locations on the court, her relentless power, her ability to drive through the ball, her athleticism, she is outstanding. And she delivered two huge victories for her team on the kickoff weekend. She beats Mia Horvitt of South Carolina in straight sets in that first match. And, you know, I believe was unfinished uh, in the doubles there. And they dropped that doubles point uh, against uh, when they dropped it against Duke. But then they end up, uh, she ends up getting a three-set victory against Kelly Chen in that match as well. And just, you know, for this Georgia Tech team, you look at Jones, you look at Flores, you think they're good to compete in every match they play. The question is, where do points, you know, three and four come from uh, Come from for them? And in particular, when your strength is your top three, how does that match up against this Pepperdine team, right? And so, right. you know, you, you start to look at the match calculus. Does this Georgia Tech team have the depth to compete with Pepperdine? I don't know if they do, Colette. What do you think? No, again, I, I, just, I just don't see enough um experience in in you know the indoor even um for them to do it though you like you said they are much better indoor teams so that that is an advantage to them but uh, yeah it's just really hard to bet against um the top of pepperdine's lineup they're they're just so experienced they've been through so much um i you know it it would be hard for me to see that georgia tech would win that one yeah, and you know the gap for UTRs at number one, uh, and Pepperdine leads by UTR at all six singles flights. But the gap at number one singles is point one one, so that's a marginal difference. Right. Everywhere else on the board, point five nine, point six, point eight eight, one point three six at the number five singles position, and then point six two at number six. Look, it's indoors, so I do think Georgia Tech has a chance, and they take doubles, which we've seen Pepperdine drop in the past. If they can go up one zero and you know, steal two or three first sets, ideally three. Now it's a match, no matter what. And expect this one to go two and a half, three hours into singles play. I'm expecting some three-set battles, but I do think Pepperdine, just too much talent at the bottom of their lineup. If they drop the doubles point, things get complicated. I think they will drop doubles. I think they win this match 4-2, and I think it's Faila who clinches at the number two position. Very specific with my prediction. What do you think? <laughs> um, I, I'd probably go four one for for Pepperdine. That that Jones might be able to to uh, come out ahead there, but um, it yeah I I and I well and uh, maybe four two if if they do drop the doubles point as we're kind of anticipating. So. So yeah, I don't I don't have uh, much disagreement with you on that one. That's always a good thing. Well, I promise at some point. Well, it's not in the first rounds we're going to disagree because again, we have a pretty clear top 4 heading into this season and you get to the bottom half of the draw. Our number 3 seed here at this event is a very young but very dangerous Texas Longhorn team and you look at what the Longhorns have done this season and to your point Colette uh you know it wasn't the ideal start I suppose they are still young they are still trying to work out the kinks of their lineup but they are also still 5-0 and undefeated through the start of the season wins over SMU 4-0 wins over I-1 Baylor at the kickoff weekend before the 4-3 win last weekend uh against Oklahoma you look for them they're 66.25 by UTR, which again would be higher than the current Power 6 UTR of UNC. Take it with a grain of salt this early in the season, but certainly you look at bringing back Anna Tarati. You look at the young players they have in, you know, young Peyton Stearns, obviously, but she's not even the only freshman uh, star that they have on the roster. This is a team that's young, it's talented, not the most experienced yet, but what do you think about them heading into this national indoors and in particular this first match against Northwestern, who I will say for some reason only has two players registered on their UTR team page right now. And so it screws up my power six a little bit, uh, but I will have more Northwestern stats for all of you shortly. But your thoughts on this one? 
Um, I think that that maybe that Oklahoma match uh, might have been really good for Texas um, since they weren't really challenged there at all during the kickoff weekend. I uh, think having to win a match when it was important, you know, they have five freshmen in the lineup, so they need to, to be, all of them need to be in that situation. So yeah, I definitely think that that actually might have helped them coming in rather than facing that against say a Northwestern team, you know, coming in without a playing Oklahoma and then facing a Northwestern team and then getting in that three all place and not, you know, not being comfortable in the moment. So I think that may have helped them. I, yeah, that, to me, they're, you know, they're the obvious favorite in that match, but, but you know, I don't know. Northwestern was so impressive. I mean, they were a revelation during that kickoff weekend. So I, you know, given the lack of, of any real experience, the fact that Northwestern is going to be a much better indoor team, um, you know, again, that, that one could also, you know, be a tight one, even if it may end up 4 0. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and look, this Northwestern team was five and six last season, and uh, they brought back essentially everyone. But they also added a huge boost to the top of their lineup in first year, uh, Maria Shusharina, uh, who obviously at the number one singles position for them allows everyone else in their roster uh, to push back a spot. And for them, of course, their huge win was the big upset at NC State uh, at the kickoff weekend. Now they lost their top two positions, but were able to take the doubles points and get wins at the three, four, and six positions, I believe. And I think they are twin sisters in the hand sisters, uh, Christina and uh, Clarissa, or maybe there's a year apart between them. Yeah, year no, apart they're, between not, them? they're not twins. Not twins, year apart, but they are sisters, so half right there. I'll right. take the credit. Um, yeah, I mean, this team is experienced. They've got depth, and because this match is indoors, <sighs> I mean, I'm not. I don't think it's going to be an upset because just you look at the talent on this Texas team and you think, "Holy cow!" Imagine how good these freshmen are going to be in May. <laughs> but it's not May; it's February. True. And so, I think of the the four quarterfinal matches, this is the one I circle as perhaps the one that gets the the testiest. What do you think about that? No, uh, you're, no, you're... <laughs> I, I, no. <laughs> yeah. well, I was just looking again. No, I I could see. I could see Pepperdine Georgia Tech getting there, but I I can't quite see Northwestern Texas, but... No, it's fair. And, you know, for this Northwestern team, they were 5-6 and last year. Their losses, Vanderbilt, Princeton, Georgia Tech... 4-3 4-3 at Kansas, 5-2 at Ohio State, and then 4-2 against Arizona State. So it's not like there were any terrible losses there, right? It's not like they were playing you know, MAC teams or non-Power 5 teams right. and losing to them last season. They played a tough schedule, so to see them have more success at the start of the season isn't a complete shock. But this Northwestern core isn't the Northwestern core we saw in the early and mid-2010s, right? That team was consistently, it was them or Michigan winning the Big Ten title, and it was them or Michigan making the round of 16 or the quarterfinals as the representative of the conference. This team's a little less experienced at the national indoors, and so because of that, and because Texas is so freaking talented, like if they play to their potential, uh, I mean, ugh. The predictions part of this podcast is what might get us in trouble timing-wise because it's going to take me 20 minutes to make a decision. (laughs) Not on this dual match, though. Give me Texas 4-1. I respect Northwestern too much to think they're going to get blanked. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, if the number one finishes, I I could definitely see Shusharina, um, you know, coming out ahead of that one. But, um, yeah, I'd be more inclined to 4-0. Yeah, that's fair. Should be, again, a really fun match. Well, then, our final quarterfinal match, of course, should be a fun one as well. It features the hosts and the defending finalists at last year's National Indoors as the UCLA Bruins going to take on Oklahoma State. Of course, the place to start with the Bruins is the top of their lineup. In Abby Forbes, Alicia Bolton, and Jada Hart, you have three players who, not maybe, who would definitely 
being playing number one singles at arguably any other school in the country. Of course, Jada Hart, a multi-time All-American, Alicia Bolton, Abby Forbes, both so successful in their campaigns last season as well. And I know Bolton this past fall uh, had some success on the pro circuit as well. They take on a young Oklahoma State team that I believe had no seniors last season. And you look for them, you know, this Oklahoma State program finalists at the NCAAs in 2016 and, you know, been able to keep the momentum since then. Still a young team, but inexperienced team, certainly. I believe they were 11-1 last season. I think they lost their very first match of the ITA kickoff weekend, then won every match after it during 2020. Of course, they didn't end up, you know, completing the season, but they have momentum on their side. They're the home team, but they're also a team that hasn't really competed yet this season. They were part of contact tracing uh, throughout the Oklahoma State Athletic Department, and so they weren't able to compete these past couple of weeks. Of course, part of that being preventative to ensure that they could compete here this weekend. Uh, and, of course, Coach Young revealing to us on the Cracked Interviews podcast what ended up happening was some of the members of the women's team ate dinner with members of the men's team. The member of the men's team tested positive. Therefore, everyone uh, is in the contact tracing program protocol, and you can understand that. They're all college students. But again, just a little bit of a disclaimer, we haven't really seen this Oklahoma State team yet. Uh, But of course, we have seen UCLA. We know what they're capable of. Your thoughts on this final quarterfinal match? Yeah, I I really don't know what to make of Oklahoma State, um, just because, you know, that they haven't played. And and you wonder (laughs) if they're going to be, you know, ready for a match. And of course, if if you are playing a match like that, you would have hoped that you wouldn't have to start out against a team like UCLA. So um, I, I do think they're, that they're going to struggle uh, to keep up. But um, again, I'm not that familiar with um, their freshmen, for example. Um, I, I don't really know. I don't think she's played at all. So, you know, she, she could be a, Patch Kaleva and you know be awesome um, way down in the order, but I and and I do think that UCLA is stronger at the top than they are you know at the bottom, but they they do go awfully deep. So yeah, I I can't can't see Oklahoma State you know giving um, UCLA a huge battle, but maybe indoors at home and you know just the eagerness to get playing again um, will help, you know, really get them going. Yeah, I think the thing about the Bruins that's so scary is just how easy they made the kickoff weekend look, right? Yeah. It was, you know, easy wins, 4-0 over Cal, where they win doubles, straight set wins at the number one and two positions, and then their freshman, Vanessa Ong, who quietly has the second highest UTR right now on the team, was playing six singles for them that weekend. Uh, she got the win at number six singles in that first match, and then, of course, they go 4-0 over A&M. They win doubles at the number one and two positions, get wins at one and two singles once again, and find point number three at the six singles position. Now, Jada Hart struggled during that kickoff weekend. She dropped seven in both of her matches, but you know, come this national indoor, she will be ready to play. And yeah, I just think the depth plus the experience. Yes, Ong is a freshman, but in Abby Altic and Annette Gulak and, you know, all of the options, Vivian Wolf, they have at the bottom of their lineup. This team has experience. And look again, this is one of those little anecdotes. I was at the national indoors when they beat Stanford last year. And you could just felt what that meant to that team to finally get over that hump, to finally knock off the Cardinal, which is another one of my pet peeves. Why can't we just call it the Cardinals? Like, it's just so much more. It just flows better, the grammar, yada, yada, yada. But this is an eye test pick for me because on paper you think, you know, UNC proved it. And Pepperdine, Texas, on paper, they've got the higher UTRs. I love this UCLA team. I thought Abby Forbes was the best freshman in the country last season. I thought Alicia Bolton was the most improved player in the country last season. And they've got both of them now competing to play that number one singles position at the uh, at the top of their lineup. I think this. I love Oklahoma State. If there, if this wasn't their first match of the season, I'd think, okay, yeah, four one, four two at home. Maybe things get testy. Oklahoma State always so good at doubles. But I just I think the Bruins 
I think they're on a path this season. I think they're going to win the Pac-12, get to the national final. And I think this is the first step in that path. Yeah, I, and I, I definitely, I think um, maybe except for Wolf, everybody was on the team that made the finals last year. So, yeah. uh, wow, they have to be extra motivated, you know, to to get back there, to they have some unfinished business. I'm sure that they're dying to get, you know, another shot at UNC. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Vivian Wolf was part of that 2019 Georgia team that was undefeated, if memory serves me correct, entering the NCAA championships, or maybe they had one loss. I think it was like Stanford beat them, but North Carolina beat Georgia, or but but North Carolina beat Stanford, but Georgia beat North Carolina. It was really, really funky that season. Um, and, you know, Vivian Wolf was obviously a big contributor to that Georgia team. I think she went like 32-3 and three in singles and like 24-1 and one in dual matches that season. Um, and by the way, that's not off the top of my brain. I say I think. I see it right here on the page in front <laughs> of me. I was about but... ready to go, okay. I, yeah, I can't no, that's, that's not my piece, you're going to yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I say I think I'm looking at her page. I said I think because I was waiting for the page to fully load, and then once it fully loaded, I could lock that in. Uh, but yes, I can lock that in now. Some of the stats I pull, others, yes, uh, not as not as memorized. But nevertheless, this UCLA team, so much talent, and I think we both agree they're going to advance uh, here over Oklahoma State, and we're going to get some matchups between our top four seeds in the semifinals, and that feels like a perfect way to segue into our final thing we want to do here. And we might actually hit only 40 minutes, Colette, so let's freaking go. Um, but I want to make some predictions here. I want to talk about, you know, again, and I think we, we've hit all eight teams, but I want to talk about who we think uh, are the finalists, the eventual champ, but let's start with the most outstanding player because I think this is a fun conversation as well. This relates to, you know, because sometimes you have a player who just goes on a run, like with all due respect to every other team, when you had Steve Johnson for those USC teams, you just felt like, all right, we're up 1-0 with doubles because we're going to find two points there, Stevie plus someone, and then we're up 2-0 because Stevie's up 1-0 at singles. And so I think there are a lot of players this year that are capable of doing that, right? That are just able to say, don't worry, I will be the 2-0 point for us, uh, or I will be that point on the board. Who do you think is that player here this year? Because I have my answer. I'm happy to go first if yeah, you want. Yeah, go ahead. No, I, I can see anybody doing that, but I can't see anybody that can't lose. And I, So I agree Johnson that. On do you think? No, there. so there's some really good ones, right? Like, I think if McKenna Jones is as good as she has been at number— Like, to have Nick McKenna Jones at five singles for the Tar Heels is a joke. Like, it's a joke. She was number one in the country right. two years ago, and, like, it's a legitimate five singles. And so I think there's a world—if she's the most outstanding player, it means the Tar Heels are taking care of business at the bottom of their lineup, and they're winning this event. I also quietly think, by the way, that— the most consistent play, like if I'm an if I'm a coach right now of a women's college tennis team, and you say pick any player on any roster across the country to be in your lineup, I would pick Sarah Davitella because I just feel like she never loses, like not ever, not in high school, and you know which we know from her Michigan roots, not in college. She just she always wins, and so I think there's a world where she's the most outstanding player as well because she just she finds ways to get the job done. I also think probably if it's not her, you know, you look at some of these Pepperdine players who are the obvious candidates, Fakuda at three, right? That feels really, really dangerous. There's a world where she goes three and oh, and just, she ends up earning most outstanding player. If I was to nominate someone for UCLA, it's probably Bolton just because, or whoever is playing two, I suppose, for the Bruins because they're top two so good as well. For Texas, they're all freshmen, so I feel like if Texas wins, the most outstanding player has to go to Tarati just because she's not the freshman, right. um, but but I, I don't know. Th- those would be the, the players I see for each scenario. Yeah, I don't, I you know, again, looking at all the number ones are so capable that it, it's, it's really hard to say, um, you know, that there's anybody like Steve Johnson, and then when you get down to the you know, to the low, lowers in the, in there that then, then it gets really tricky because again, you, for the best teams, you'll see a lot of those won't finish and, 
and that sort of thing. So yeah, I, I, my crystal ball just can't can't get there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Don't worry. We'll we'll work on it. Yeah. I mean, I was looking for like a Charlotte Shavatapan. I was like just looking for you to say, yeah, it's going to be Charlotte for Texas. You're wrong, Alex. <laughs> uh, but no, that's fair. I think again, there are a lot of good cases. It could be one of those years, like. I feel like this award could be called the J.C. Aragoni Henrik Weirsholm Memorial <laughs> Award because it just kind of alternated between whichever one of them finished more matches during the event year after year after yeah. year. Um, but yeah, I, I just think yeah, the, it because of the parity at the top of the lineup could very well be the bottom of the lineup that decides these matches. But okay, now comes the fun stuff. Finalist, champion, give me your take. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's tough. <laughs> I I'm gonna, you know, I'm sorry to be so boring, so cold takey here, but I've got uh, <laughs> UNC and UCLA again, back back in the final, and um, no, nothing yeah. wrong with that. I'm for the record, I'm happy to be the Stephen A. Smith to your Max <laughs> Kellerman, whatever and, you need. And from yeah, me. I I have to go with UNC unless for some reason Scotty and Jones don't play. Um, you know, as they did in the kickoff weekend, I, you know, that's, I guess, or maybe against Georgia, they didn't play, but um, yeah, I, I think if, if they are in the lineup, I, I'm going to go with you, UNC. Um, if they're not, um, yeah, I'm still going to go with UNC. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, it's fair. It's completely fair. I just think this Texas team's one year away. Like, give me one more year of them to play a full college season, get all that experience, then they probably become favorites for everything. Because the tournament's indoors, I really do like UNC over Pepperdine. I just think this team, how experienced they are, you know, the depth, the talent, yada, yada, yada. Pepperdine's a great matchup. We could have six three-set matches in singles. Give me the Tar Heels to advance out of the top bracket. Give me UCLA to advance out of the bottom Oh, so I agree with you for the record because, yeah, it's just like I, – I just think the top three for UCLA, I just think they go doubles and they're going to win the top three. I think that's how they beat Texas. I mean I saw the match last year with my own eyes, and I just I, – like it's going to be every matchup's the same. Abby Forbes beats everyone in the country at two singles that's not named Sarah Davitella, but she has yeah. to play Sarah Davitella in this one, and it's like – Graham is a really good matchup against Alicia Bolton because she does a lot of things to make Bolton uncomfortable. Ugh. I'm going to go Teals as well. I can't call a team potentially the greatest of all time and not pick them to win the first <laughs> national championship of the year. So I'm going to stick to my word. I'll take the Tar Heels over UCLA as well. But more than anything, just excited for a really, really fun weekend. And, of course, I'm sure, Colette, you will be covering the action as well from home and on your Zoo Tennis blog. And for our listeners who may not be reading it or who may not know where to follow everything you are doing, where can they find all of your work? Um, ZooTennis.com. I also uh, write um, two, three times a month for Tennis Recruiting Network. Uh, that's where you can read about a lot of the, the new players that are coming into and that you'll get an idea um, who's coming in for next year as well. So I've written about quite a few of the players that, that are going to be playing this coming weekend. And it's really exciting to kind of get to know them and follow them through the juniors and into the um, college decision-making process and then where they end up. So um, yeah, j definitely check out Tennis Recruiting Network and ZooTennis.com. How I found your Zoo Tennis blog all of those years ago is going to check how many stars I was. I was an update, and I was like, what is this middle tab? I was like, I keep seeing these blog posts day after day after day, and I'm really interested in how Junior Alexander Orr is doing at the Easter Bowl. So let me just <laughs> click on this and make sure, see how interesting it really is. Or, you know, I'm trying to think of a name here that was like one of those Boys 14s names. Oh, I can't believe I'm blanking here. Like, I don't want to say Dennis Kudla because that's such an obvious one. I'm trying to think of the deep cuts here uh emmett egger if i was like oh is that an emmett egger sighting i saw like unbelievable <laughs> um so whatever it may be obviously uh be sure to check it out and colette as you know spot is always open for you on this podcast thank you so much uh for taking the time to come by and say hello and of course any final thoughts on this weekend's act i'm definitely looking forward to it i just find it very unfortunate that the final's going to be during the super bowl i just <laughs> <laughs> 
know, six thirty. I was like, so I love the ITA. I love you all very much. But I was like, six thirty. I was like, what are we doing here? I was like, because uh, we're we're driving there and we have to drive back to India. I was like, so I guess we're staying Sunday night. I was like, I guess that's the move we have to make. So, uh, but a little extra time in Stillwater, nothing wrong with that. But of course, always great, and I always appreciate you giving us a little bit of extra time, Colette. So of course, stay safe, stay healthy, and we will talk to you okay, soon. Okay, Alex, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course, take care. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with Colette previewing this weekend's National Indoor Championship. Of course, a huge thank you to her for taking the time to chat with us sincerely. It is such a pleasure for me always to get the chance to work with Colette. It's something I dreamed about doing when I was first scheming up this podcast back in my college apartment. So a huge shout out to Colette for all she does to cover college tennis and just the tennis world at large. And of course, all of you, I'm sure, read her zoo tennis blog religiously if you are not you should. It really is the best in the business. It sets the standard, folks, for what coverage of tennis should look like. Uh, Of course, again, if you are looking forward to this weekend's coverage, wondering where you can follow it, rest assured we will be sharing the links on all of our social media channels, and you can find them on the Oklahoma State Women's Tennis website, on the ITA WeAreCollegeTennis.com website, and, you know, I'm sure, again, you will be able to find the links to the national indoor feeds uh, if you are listening and were able to find the link to this podcast. But of course, maybe some of you are also wondering what else is going on in the tennis world. We know the women's indoors is happening. What is happening in Australia? Your guess? As good as mine right now. Of course, place suspended on Wednesday night, Thursday morning, uh, depending on where you are in the world, because of the fact uh, that they had someone test positive uh, for COVID in the player hotel. And so they are doing their contact tracing, obviously taking the situation very seriously. It's something we explore more on our mini break podcast, as well as the results going on throughout the pro tennis world. So be on the lookout for those podcasts or go check out that feed. If that's the sort of content you are looking for, of course, we recapped last weekend's men's action yesterday on this podcast with Matt Stokoyak and Chris Hallior. So if you want to hear more about the men's action, be sure to go check out that show. And for all of our content, just turn to our website, CrackedRackets.com. You need that more immediate update. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly. I am at Great Shot Pod. Shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job they do day in day out shout out as well to our friends at DraftKings to hear our picks for all the action going on down under be sure to tune in to our GSP ace of the day to get in on the action just go to dkng.co slash crack to open to take advantage of their limited time offer but with that in mind for our wonderful guests Colette Lewis our super producers Fligner and Westoff our friends at DraftKings and all of the DraftKings and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network I am your host Alex Gruskin, you know what we say. Hey, great shot, and we'll see you all this weekend. Thanks, everyone.